0: Shalom, welcome to another episode of Inspiration from Zion. I'm Jonathan Feldstein, and I have the privilege of being your host, coming to you from the Judean Mountains in Israel. I like to refer to it as the original Bible Belt. Inspiration from Zion is a program of the Genesis One Two Three Foundation, whose mission is to build bridges between Jews and Christians, and Christians with Israel, in ways that are new, unique, and meaningful. I pray that you will find this all of those. Through this program, we're excited to connect you to people and stories in and relating to Israel to give you a window to look through experiencing aspects of life here that you might not have otherwise know about. We want this to be interactive, so please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion@gmail.com at gmail.com and send along any questions and any comments about any topic, anytime. Or you can reach us at inspirationfromzion@gmail.com. at gmail.com or follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned until the end of the program where we're going to also share an exciting opportunity and please feel free to share this program with others who you know will also find it of interest. Now, if you've been following Inspiration from Zion now into our third year, you'll know that it's very rare that I bring back a guest a second time, Um, not because the guests that I host are not very meaningful and worthwhile. Occasionally we do that, but it's very, very unusual. But this week, I'm especially compelled to do that, to bring somebody uh, back who I hosted about six months ago, I think it was in February, we had never yet met, and she had an incredible inspiring story that I was excited to share. And fortunately, as a res- not as a result of that, but afterward, she ended up coming to Israel for the first time. Marzi Amirizade, whose name I pronounced a lot better this time than I did the first time. In our conversation, in our first conversation, is an Iranian-born Christian, a woman who became a Christian in Iran. And I, I, and I want to mention now, so I don't forget, you must buy her books. Uh, first of all, A Love Journey with God, and second, uh, Captive in Iran. They're available through her website, com, which is a brand new site, and I've seen a little bit of it, and I'm very excited about that. Um, Marzi became a Christian in Iran has a fabulous story to tell and I, maybe we'll put in the show notes here the link to our original conversation which was incredible and and in addition to her fabulous story to tell she came to israel for the very first time last april and i had the privilege of getting to meet her on the day she landed and we spent a wonderful afternoon and evening together where i got to show her some biblical sites and also follow her to her first media interview in israel and we've become really good friends. And I felt it was important to reconnect by, by uh, another conversation in general, but specifically this week. And why do I want to tell you this week? First of all, I want Marzi to share with you why Israel, what her experiences were in Israel, and why they were so significant to her. But also, I'm not, we're not going to review a whole lot of her story. You're going to have to go back and listen to the first conversation and some other articles that I've written that I will also hopefully remember to put in the show notes. But the other thing I wanna talk about is this week, and especially this week, which is why we're having this conversation now, is the first anniversary of the murder of Masa Amini, who was a, Marzi, remind me, 25-year-old Kurdish woman in Iran who was arrested and brutalized by what they call the morality police. And I'm gonna ask you to explain a little bit about what that means for those who don't know. And she was, she was killed. She died. And, that, and, and because of that and what's followed and what's been going on in Iran the past year, and I've had the privilege of staying in touch with Marzi uh, to a degree over the year, I've learned a great deal about Iran, Iranian society, and the hope that I think most people outside of the ayatollahs who run the country um, and the terrorists who they fund, most people around the world, who pray that the regime will fall. And I know Marzi is one of them. So Marzi, it's a very informal introduction. Um, You know, I've read both of your books. They're incredible. They inspire me as an Orthodox Jew. Um, I've learned so much from you and I'm really grateful that you're making time today and that I get to share more of your important insight um, with all those who are listening to Inspiration in Zion. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much Jonathan, it's really an honor for me um, to be on your program again. I am very grateful that you gave me this uh, opportunity again to share more about my story, and especially at this um, uh, specific time, the anniversary of the murder of Masa Amini, which is going to be in a few days. Yeah. And also it means a lot to me that you as an orthodox Jew uh read both of my books and you allowed me uh to share my story, my faith on your platform. Thank you so much well, for having it's, me.
0: It's it's a it's a pleasure but it's ver- it's worthwhile and meaningful and anyone who knows me knows I don't just throw out platitudes for the sake of doing that. I mean that sincerely. Let's talk about you and I met like this, uh, online doing a, a um, uh, an interview for my podcast several months ago, and we should give a shout out now to our mutual friend, Arlene Samuels, who introduced you to, to us to one another, and who also had written a beautiful article about you and your testimony and, and your life. Um, and so she said, well, Jonathan, why don't you host Marzi on your podcast? And I thought, okay, that sounds great. Um, I honestly d- don't think then I completely understood the connection to Israel, although Iran and Israel, Iran and the Jewish people have a long history together. And you had shared with me, and I don't remember if it was online or if it was offline, that you'd always been praying about an opportunity to come to Israel. And that was not planned. You did not have a ticket when we spoke in February. But but less than two months later, you landed. Um, I First of all... Why is Israel so important to you? Why was it so important that you come and have that experience? And then I want to talk about what these amazing experiences that you had were.
1: Yeah, as you mentioned, I'm so blessed, first of all, to be connected with amazing people in America and have them as my friends, my family, like Arlene and Paul, our mutual friend who connected us. I'm very grateful, and many other people that um, God put in my life, and and I'm so blessed. Um, Yeah, coming to Israel, um, as I mentioned before, it was a dream for many years, especially since after I uh, became a Christian, but since I was living in Iran, it was impossible to travel to Israel, because even talking about Israel or having anything regarding Israel um would put us to in, put us in danger, and uh I knew that and um but when I moved to America after I got released from prison and i um, moved to america um uh, it was two thousand and sixteen that I became an American citizen, and I knew that uh in any time I could travel to Israel, and that was a dream. Uh, and the reason I mentioned to you that is important because um the israel uh the Holy Land is a big part of my faith and uh Jesus as i mentioned uh in all my interviews uh, in Israel and america later um the, you you know that uh, we all know that Jesus was a jew and uh Israel is a place that those biblical stories happened. And that's why it was very precious to me to have this opportunity to visit the Holy Land. And I read Bible. I read many stories in, about uh, how God saved um, his uh, people, um, Israeli people and Jewish people, are chosen people by God and the way that God saved them and throughout the history. And I read about the history of Iran a little bit, about King Cyrus, that as a child, I never had a chance uh, in Iran or at schools to learn about that great history of King Cyrus, how uh, he was one of uh, the greatest king who helped Jews to get released after seventy years captivity, and uh, helped them to restore their temple and to go back to Jerusalem. And then uh, after that, King Darius uh, again helped uh, Jews to rebuild the second temple. I read the story of Esther I- I- and uh, Esther, sorry, yeah. and uh, Mordecai. And I noticed that, um, for the King Cyrus, I knew the tomb, uh, was in Iran, in one of the cities in Iran. And I uh, could read the news and uh, watch uh, some films that even people were visiting uh, his tomb. Um, they uh, would get arrested or beaten. They are not allowed to get close to that tomb. Wow. But about the grave of Esther, Esther, sorry, I keep uh, making mistakes, <laughs> um, uh, Yash, uh, Her grave, and Mordecai, and uh, the tomb of uh, king, uh, the king, um, sorry, the prophet Daniel, all those uh, people, I had no idea that their graves are in Iran, because the regime doesn't allow people to know about these great people in the history and how... Iranians and Persians and uh Jews were connected and for many years they stood together they were so uh, uh friendly and um the Persian kings always stood with Jews helped them and it was you know after becoming a Christian I I started learning about uh, these um great stories and kings and um, Jew- Jewish people. That's why, you know, that was the desire of my heart to visit the Holy Land. Right. Okay. And when I came to America, still, I, I, as I mentioned, after I became an um, American citizen, I could travel anytime, but I wanted to um, wait for God's signal to me to show when it's the time, because this country, these people are so precious to me, and I wanted to uh, visit the country at the right time. And finally, God gave me the signal, and I was so blessed that after many years, finally, I could visit Israel. Sure. And I had a great opportunity with uh, to meet many amazing um people, Christians, and you know, you were, um, the first Orthodox Jew that I met. And, uh, I told you, um, um, a few times that, um, I, I'm so blessed that God connected us, um, yes. in my experience, um, with uh, the first Jew, you, um, created a good pictures of, um, uh, Jews in my mind. And I, couldn't uh, expect uh you that you invited me to your home for shabbat to let me to uh, meet your family members it was beautiful it was my first experience uh having shabbat with a jewish family and sharing my story allowing me to share my whole story how i Came to faith to Jesus, and with all those details, that that meant a lot to me. And beside sure. that, I had a great experience visiting the country, amazing places that Jesus walked, and the culture, many many amazing things. I never forget my experience in uh, Israel sure. and this country is so precious to my heart.
0: So well, the thank you for that. That's a great background, and it reminds me. I'm making notes for myself in the show notes. I want to share the article that I wrote about your trip then, that was in the Jerusalem Post. Uh, we'll put that in the show notes. And of course, if anyone listening wants more information, to please be in touch with me. Um, but that was a great experience. I want to take a quick break, and then come back and talk about quickly some of your experiences because I don't. This is important, and I want to lay, use it to lay the foundation of how you and I have stayed in touch uh, over over the past uh, few months. And, and why it makes sense. But I want, I want to have a, a foundation on what your experiences were in Israel briefly. And then I want to talk about really what the topic is, the anniversary of Masa Amini's death. So but let's take just a quick break right now, and then come right back. If you're like most people in the world, you know about the Holocaust, but never met, much less interacted with the Holocaust survivor, or heard their stories of suffering and survival. With the remaining elderly survivors dying at an unprecedented pace, in less than a generation there will be none alive. Yet, while they did survive, and for that we need to celebrate them, many still suffer trauma from their youth. As they age, they have increasing needs. And living on fixed incomes, sometimes with no pension, things as simple and essential as basic foods, heating in the winter, medicine, and inflation can push someone over the line from surviving to struggling again. It can create stress in their lives that reminds them of the suffering they endured as young people. It's just not acceptable that anyone who suffered as much should struggle with basic needs or any undue stress in their twilight years. I want to invite you to join the Genesis 123 Foundation to bless the survivors. Yes, we pray that you'll donate personally and do so generously. And when you do, we also give you the opportunity to send your personal blessings and words of encouragement to the survivors themselves to brighten their day and let them feel your love. Having been privileged to provide financial resources to help survivors on a day-to-day basis, I know it makes a difference and is very appreciated. But your personal note that we translate into Hebrew, Russian, or Yiddish really makes them smile and warms their heart. I pray you'll join us by going to Genesis123.co slash hug a survivor. That's Genesis123.co slash hug a survivor. And please share this with others. We can't undo the suffering that they endured. And there's no limit to what the needs are, but we can never do too much to comfort them in their final years. Please join us. God bless you. Okay, Marzi. Um it's funny, when you share about those things and coming to my house for Shabbat and those really neat experiences, and it's something that we do regularly, I don't take I, I don't take for granted, but I take it for granted. And that was your first experience. But your being in Israel the first time ever was powerful on many levels. Um I wasn't with you when you landed, but there's a beautiful picture of you immediately you went to pray at the western wall. And you and I connected for the first time later that afternoon. What were the top three, four, five experiences that stood out for you being in Israel? How whether whether meeting Jewish people? You we we spoke about that a lot in terms of your own faith. You, you, you tell me. You tell us.
1: Um... As I mentioned, that uh, visiting the Holy Land uh, was one of my dreams that God allowed me. After many years waiting uh, for his signal, finally he allowed me to visit the country. And as you mentioned, it was the first day when I arrived. um, One of my great friends um, was with me and she uh, drove me to the West Wall and that was an amazing experience. Um, That was my first experience in Israel, visiting the West Wall and have the uh, opportunity to pray there. And I told my friend, uh, Melissa, that uh, uh, that was an amazing experience because I could feel a strong spirit of God um, because there were many, it was the beginning of the day, but still there were some people sitting there and beside the wall they were uh, playing and I I told her that even though you know and later I came back a few more times and I had that experience there that how many people are coming to this place and playing and even though in the country there are uh, a lot of things are happening and sometimes crazy things you know that you are living there and i experienced that what's going on in the country sometimes i read the news but i never experienced it um that closely that uh how much jews living in danger and um with getting stabbed getting killed and i was there that you know that um your neighbors um were um by terrorists were were killed but Islamic uh, terrorists were killed that was so heartbreaking to me another time we were driving if you remember someone was stopped and that was shocking to me that um, seeing all those things um, with my own eyes that what's going on in the country and how people Jewish people are risking their lives um, living there and anytime anything can happen to them but still you can feel a strong spirit of god in the country still with all those craziness you can feel joy in the country and i felt that i told my friend that um i feel i'm at home i feel i i I got alive again. It's yeah. I can't describe my feeling um, um, the first day and the other days that I was living there and experiencing different things uh, in the country. And my purpose was to just to visit the country, but God opened a bigger platform for me, and I got connected with many amazing Christians. I through my friend, I got connected with amazing uh Christians. Um uh, their ministry was praying non stop twenty four hours prayer uh for Israel, uh for the country. That was so amazing that I got connected with um such dedicated Christians. And then as I mentioned, uh another thing that was um uh amazing, it was um the friendship um between you and me that um god put us together and you kindly um created some um platform for me to for my story to be heard to have uh, some opportunity for uh, interviews but the day as i mentioned you invited me and my friend uh to your home uh i never forget that uh, amazing uh day that uh I could see the, how family beautiful sitting together every Mm -hmm. Saturday. And, um, I, that was a, that was an honor to, for me to be with you on Shabbat and, uh, just have, you know, this, um, experiencing this, uh, together and being able to talk about my faith at your home. That yeah. was an amazing experience that I never forget. And beside that, as I mentioned, the country is so beautiful that I never forget. And there are some similarities, um uh, between the culture, um, Jewish culture and, and uh, Persian culture, sure. especially like food and some other things that I could see some similarity. But on, unfortunately in Iran, um there is a darkness there is a curse over the country sure. and because of that you feel it um when you live there um there is a spirit of evil there but in israel even though uh, there are some uh, craziness that you know Islamist uh, Islamic, uh people try to uh kill um jews um but still you feel the strong spirit of god you feel Um, I I never saw in in Jewish community that uh, you invited me, you took me there. I never saw, you know, depression. I could see joy uh, in the streets among people interacting with each other. Those things were so amazing Mm -hmm. to experience.
0: So thank you for that. Uh, I I completely did not script this conversation. Um, Yeah, and because we're recording it uh, already, it's after Shabbat, and I, I I didn't prepare very much. But when you're talking about darkness, it's another experience that you and I also had together. I took you to Yad Vashem, Israel's National Holocaust Memorial. Um, and that, when you speak about darkness, and this, I think, is an appropriate setup for, for talking about Iran, um, what's happening now and your own experiences there. You learned about and experienced things about the Holocaust and leading up to the Holocaust that you never knew before. Um, I don't want to put you on the spot, but there were a few instances where I just were, where it was obvious you were crying because of how moving and, and, and sad it was. And, and the first of them wasn't even relating to the Holocaust, but relating to the church history vis a vis the Jews. What was that like for you, it, as a human being who's caring about other people, but also as an Iranian who whose country is also immersed in evil right now?
1: Um, Jonathan, thank you so much for reminding me that experience. Um, I forgot to mention that uh, visiting Yad Vashem uh, was uh, also one of my greatest memories of being in Israel, and I. I never forget that experience that, um, I'm so grateful that you took me there and you showed me. It was my first experience being such a, in such a museum to see what happened to Jews. I watched some movies in the past and I read about it, but seeing that very close, um, with all the, you know, evidence of what happened to jew's uh it was very important to me and uh, and if you remember i when we were visiting there um there were times that i i couldn't stop crying but i tried to control myself it was very difficult seeing um what jews went through and that broke my heart because um i lived in a country with um with a terrorist regime that, from childhood, brainwashed children and taught them um, Israel is your enemies, and uh, forced children uh, at school to say death to America, death to death to Israel. And uh, I remember I was um, like, you know, ten to fourteen years old that they would show, keep showing a series. Um, of um, a movie that um, showed that how um, demon are are Jewish people and trying to demonize people by showing that they are, you know, treating Palestinians um, uh, with cruelty and um, trying to brainwash, you know, children. At that time, I remember I had no idea uh, who are Jews yeah. and, uh, where is Israel? But that was, um, very ugly to try to brainwash people by making such movies, showing such movies to, uh, people. And later, when I came to Israel, when I saw, when I later, I read about the history, what happened to Jews, and then I visited, I had the chance to visit Israel. And I I mentioned earlier that I saw this, very close at what's happening um, to Jews in Israel. And sometimes I see that the media cut some part of those um, stories and just show the part. They don't show the part that, for example, what caused an uh, Israeli soldier to kill a Palestinian. They don't show that they attacked first, they stopped them, and then they protected themselves. That's horrible. But uh, when in Yad Vashem, when we went together, that was an amazing experience to read about um, the history, to see some of the evidence. And it really broke my heart, when you told me um, that the churches didn't stand up with Jews at the time of uh, Holocaust, and I didn't know that, honestly. And it really, really broke my heart that uh, how churches um, and why um They didn't stand up with Jews. That was so cruel to me. And beside that, you know, visiting that um, place also um, reminded me what um, Iranians are going through these days, especially Uh since the revolution in 1979. And thousands of people got arrested, were killed. And I, I was in prison. I experienced the brutality of this regime firsthand. And that resonate, you know, um, I I can't compare what Jews went through is not comparable with, you know, even uh, what Iranians are experiencing right now. But, you know, since I experienced this um, in my life, uh, going to prison and seeing um, uh, some injustices and brutality of this regime, I could feel. Um, when we were in Yad Vashem, I could feel um, at least some part of some um, you know amount of the sufferings persecution and what Jews went through and it really broke my heart seeing those pictures that all those uh, innocent children and um, uh, what happened to them and how um, you know Uh, they were killed, but the churches didn't stand up with them.
0: Right. Yeah. And and I like how you said all of that. It's not to compare the suffering, but nevertheless you, more than an average American or Western person or anyone coming from almost anywhere in the world can look at the experience of the Holocaust and the rise of Nazi Germany and the brainwashing, as you alluded to, of children and and the hate that was perpetrated throughout the society. Oh, excuse me, I'm getting over something. Um, for you, you understood that at a very different, different depth. And I'm gonna use that as an opportunity to take a quick break and then use the remaining half or so of this conversation to talk about what's happening in Iran now. Because we've talked a lot, and I, and I, think, I think most good people care but most good people don't know, and I, and I think it's super important. So that's why one of, the, one of the reasons having you back on the conversation. But let's take a another quick break, and we will be right back. The restoration of Jewish sovereignty in the land of Israel was an earth-shattering event. For Christians, it was a confirmation that God always keeps his covenantal promises. Today, we are blessed to see God's fingerprints in the modern miracle of the land of Israel Playing out in our lives among the people and in the state of Israel. This year, on the occasion of Israel's 75th anniversary, the Genesis 123 Foundation has been privileged to bring together 75 Christian leaders from around the world to lend their unique voices, sharing their personal faith experiences relating to Israel and their in depth insight into Israel's history and spiritual significance, creating an historical, one of a kind, high end coffee table book. Israel the Miracle. Israel the Miracle's stunning imagery will fill your home with the hope of fulfilled promises and conversations about Israel. It's a perfect gift to anyone for any occasion, and most of all to yourself. You'll also be a blessing to Israel, knowing that the proceeds will go to bless Israelis of all backgrounds. Be a part of Israel the Miracle and bring the land, the people, and the state of Israel into your heart and into your home. Visit IsraelTheMiracle.com to get your limited edition copy today. Okay, Marzi, um, you know as much as you uh, got emotional, visibly emotional in Yad Vashem when I think, and I and I credit you for learning so much in just in the last several months of of getting to know you. Um, but when you think about it, and you're you're reading your books. And what you lived through, and i and I think I neglected to mention at the outset that you were in prison and sentenced to death. These are kind of important factors in your life. and and that's therefore another good reason to read um, your book, specifically a love Journey with God. Um, it was probably not on my top ten most important things in the in the world going on a year ago, but when Masa Amini, the young Kurdish woman, was murdered. I looked at that and I thought, wow, I I almost felt like you knew her, like she was probably a friend. Um, She was not in prison with you. She was taken to prison, the same prison that you were at where she died, I believe. But you didn't know her. She wasn't a Christian. But your experiences under the the heel of this evil, evil Iranian regime were similar. because uh, before you speak about that personally, I just would like for you to talk a little bit about Iranian society and the morality police because she was arrested and detained and beaten because they said her hair was showing. And the whole idea of what that is about and that the that Iran has people patrolling, um, monitoring, quote-unquote, morality, including if a woman's hair is uncovered, is as a foreign concept to most people in the world. Can you talk about that? What does it mean the morality, please? What is it like living under a regime that has that?
1: Yes, you know, um Jonathan, um uh, since I lived in Iran, I experienced uh most of the things that um you read in the news are happening in Iran at some level. I don't say that um Exactly, I experienced everything else that many families went through by losing their children, who um, were shot and uh, got executed. But at some levels, I experienced all those things. That's why uh every time a protest happened in Iran, especially after um, the murder of Massa Amini, when I keep read, uh, reading the news, it um, reminds me all those traumas that sure. I went through. And it's everything is alive to me. And it's um, honestly, after her death, I got some kind of depression by keep reading uh, the news. It was very disappointing to see how much people are um, sacrificing themselves, especially after the death uh, deaths of Masa Amini. Uh, women, um, uh, their role is stronger. You see that they are more involved in uh, protests and uh, getting involved and um, they are fighting shoulder uh, by shoulder with men in the streets. But uh, regarding the situation in Iran, um, as a woman, I experienced from my childhood many of uh, these harsh rules of Islam in my life, from childhood, at the age of seven, imagine they force a um, um, kid like um seven years old kid to have a compulsory hijab that it's meaningless. and um,
0: but the purpose I... was what to cover to to, to make sure your the, hair is covered. They to, teach to set that... women apart from men.
1: Yes, they start uh, separating women and men, and they teach them based on uh, Islamic rules that uh, women's hair should not be shown after a specific age. And I remember at schools, they uh, in our theology classes, they would describe different kinds of tortures, imagine, to such young kids, they describe different kinds of tortures that If you, for example, show part of your hair comes out of your scarf, God, after your dad, is going to hang you by your hair. Uh, He's going to throw um, uh, the um, very hot liquid in your throat. They, They would describe horrible tortures to kids like me and many other kids that, uh, if you, um, you know, do not obey the Islamic rules, how God is going to punish you. And their purpose is to scare people to follow them, to follow the Islamic rules. And I remember regarding morality police, you mentioned, it's living in Iran, especially at that time, I it's been now 12 years I left the country, but um in every day of your life, you have stress, too much stress, even walking in the streets. Well, what what does remember, that mean?
0: What kind of stress? Why? What are they? Because what's for
1: any purpose, they could arrest you. And for example, not covering your hair completely for having a nail, nail polish, for wearing a beautiful sunglasses, for um, uh, having colored clothes for any reasons for example they would they would put morality police in front of important places like the malls and those places that you wanted to go for shopping and for any reason as i said you could get arrested they wouldn't care they would find something um in your appearance and uh, to arrest you to put in the van and take you to one of those uh, jails but Masa amini when she got arrested, Uh, they took her to Vosara detention. They call it Vozara detention, but it is, I I mentioned during my interviews many times that this is an underground dungeon.
0: It's where you uh, were for two weeks.
1: Yes, I was there for 14 days and I knew how it looked like that place and what they do to people, to prisoners, And it's a place, uh, as I mentioned, it's underground dungeon. You can't see the light. You, there is no fresh uh, air to breathe. Uh, There is no fresh water to drink. You have to sleep on a cold concrete floor. I had to cover myself with wet blankets that were soaked in urine. I described this many times that how uh, they humiliate you by uh, forcing you to be, um, uh, fully naked in, right in front of the eyes of the guards for a body surge and they throw food at you just putting uh, food in a dirty pot and just kicking the pot inside um, the cell without any plates uh, or spoons in order to tell you that you are just animal treating you like animal and I, I was witness to many injustices, how many prisoners were beaten right in front of my eyes. As soon as a prisoner would um, show objection, they would, they would start beating her up. So when this happened to Mahsa Amini, even though they denied that news, that um, she was just had a heart attack or something right. like that, that um, led to her death, but they are lying. I know what how they treat prisoners. I know um what happened, what exactly happened to her and why uh, what which place she was in. Sure. So um this is something that it's keep happening and um it's not just massa amini. There are many prisoners um that um were beaten up and there are many people who got killed they were raped they were tortured but they have no voice and no one can hear their their voices i many prisoners shared their stories when i was there that what happened to her i met a very beautiful girl she was 20 years old and she took up um uh pulled up her pants and showed me um lots of dark marks on her legs And she told me that when she got arrested, how they beaten her up with the cable. Uh, And uh, after months, still you could see those marks on her legs. And she said how they sexually abused her, raped her, and many horrible things I heard from prisoners. And I was witness to that. And I know what's going on um, in, in those prisons.
0: I want to speak about what's been, first of all, Masa Amini was beaten already after she was detained, even before she got to the prison, and she only lived a day or two, right? It wasn't like she had the, I, I mean, I want to say privilege. She didn't have the experience of living two weeks in this underground du- dungeon with no light and no water. Um, yes. She she died from her from her as a result of her being brutalized very quickly, comparatively. I'm curious, and I don't don't not don't go into it for a lot. First of all, because of time, and second of all, I'd rather people read your book. Um, the fact that she was a Kurd, and your best friend Shireen, who you write about, was a Kurd, um, and was tortured and executed um, brutally in both cases. Did that when when you heard of her death? Did it bring back memories of your of your closest friend?
1: of course um as you mentioned uh she was a Kurdish girl and um that remind me of her um she was a very brave girl and I learned a lot from her when I was in prison for nine months and we were very close friends and sharing the stories with each other we had a great time and um, they kept her in prison. They tortured her brutally when she described what happened to her. It was horrible. And finally, they hanged her. And I mentioned to you that they didn't even give her body back to her family. Right. And still, we don't know where, where is her grave. So when I heard the story of uh, Maso, of course, it reminded me of Shirin and i knew that how kurdish women are brave women they are a fighter they are um they never submit themselves to these um harsh rules of islamic harsh rules and i read in the news that mahsa amini also as you mentioned it wasn't um exactly in the jail what happened to her it was in the run that she confronted them and she showed her objection that uh, she was beaten up even in the van before, you know, transferring her to that underground dungeon. And who knows what's happened, what happened there. But I read uh, somewhere that um, they started beating her up uh, in in the van. Uh And I know that, um, that reminded me, Shirin, because, you know, there were many times in prison when, the guards force uh, prisoners to do something, for example, once they came and they uh, force all prisoners to take a pill without explaining what kind oh, yeah. of pill is right. that. And I tried to manage it and not to swallow it. And I was successful, but Shirin just stood and said, I'm not going to take it. And that oh. caused the two big confrontation and they wanted to force her. She was a Fighter, and I knew that Kurdish women how uh, how much they are brave nice. and they are fighter, and they, um, uh, and that that really reminded me of uh, Shirin, and it really broke my heart. What um, I have no
0: doubt. I have no doubt about that at all. Um, let's take a break. I want to come back for our last segment and speak about what's been happening in the last year. Since uh, Masa Amini was murdered. I want to pause in the conversation for just a moment to invite you to join us in one of the really incredible programs that we do as part of the Genesis 123 Foundation. This year, we have been going out all throughout the Judean mountains to show love to soldiers who are stationed keeping us safe from the threat of terrorism. It doesn't matter. If we're in a burning heat wave or temperatures below freezing, before the wind chill, they are out there guarding strategic points that have a high risk of terrorism. And thanks to the support of many people like you, we are pleased to bring them homemade hot soup in the cold of winter and cold drinks and sweet watermelon in the heat of summer. Any donation is meaningful and helps us to bless the soldiers. You can join us and donate at Genesis One Two Three dot co slash bless a soldier that's genesis one two three dot co slash bless a soldier and when you do you also have the opportunity to send along your own personal words of thanks and blessings to the soldiers guarding the land and protecting the people please join us hey Marzi riots broke out immediately when she was murdered a year ago, mostly women, but then it became widespread. Can you talk about that and, and what, what happened and what you saw from from a distance, but following both Iranian media and, and Iranian contacts?
1: Yeah, as I mentioned, since this happened, I was every time I uh, protest happened in Iran, I keep following the news. I try to read the news and to see what's going on in the country, and I start praying for people and um but after uh murder of mass I mean, that was horrible that thousands of people were uh, arrested they got killed they shoot at people many women lost their eyes because they intentionally uh shoot at their eyes to they target the beauty of women they are against beauty they are against um whatever is good um they are against love they are against um uh, women, um, and uh, they raped them. They rape many women in prisons. Many prisoners got executed and they are keep ex- executing people. Still, there are many people, uh, who got arrested, um, after um, the big uprising, uh, started after the murder of Masa Amini. And, uh, we are getting close to the anniversary of her, uh, um, murder. And I know. Um, that again, uh, they are going to kill lots of people. But what really break my heart, because I was in prison in 2009 and a big protest happened after the fraud in election and I was witness how many people got arrested. They were tortured right in front of my eyes. They were beaten up and um, prisoners uh, were uh, witness to of death body in prison that shared with us, and I know what exactly happened after this kind of protest, and how they treat prisoners, but what really broke my heart at that time, many times I shared that it was um, after the protest that people started calling the name of um, President Obama, that are you with us or with them, and I was at prison that Uh, This happened, and he decided not to stand with people. People were fighting for their freedom, and he just sent billions of dollars to Iran. That was a crazy decision. And what these days broke my heart, I read the news that the Biden administration, again, doing making such a crazy decision, sending billions of dollars, releasing um, the assets to Iranian regime, billions of assets to this regime, uh, which doesn't make sense. And I wrote an article, um, you know, that uh, about this uh, subject that this money, we know that this money doesn't go to people at all. And it goes for more terrorist um, activities all around the world for killing more Americans. And I shared the video that um, how IRGC were mocking, saying that because they said they are giving this money for Exchanging prisoners, but they were uh, mocking America and uh, did a saying that how they can um, earn more money by uh, kidnapping and um, more Americans and putting it in prisons. Yeah. And then they can uh, request more money. But that's to me, that decision, that policy uh, was a wrong policy and it was betraying Iranian people. And, uh, it was like spitting in the face of thousands of people who, um, who are fighting for their freedoms. Yeah. America is a, um, free country, the greatest country. It should be symbol of democracy, standing for human rights. And especially I, I know that, you know, each country, um, their benefits should be the priority. But when it comes to that level of crime against humanity, that doesn't make sense that um such a great country like America, instead of standing with people who are fighting for their freedoms, betraying them right. by giving them that much uh money. This is a horrible decision which really broke my heart right. that um uh, they come uh publicly say something that we are standing uh with you, but behind the scene, they put stab in the back of. Uh, people who are fighting for their freedoms. This Correct. is not right. This Correct. is betraying. Um, if we are saying that we are a country of democracy and um, standing up for human rights, but doing in action doing such things is just uh, lying to people. And Iranians do not want um, Americans, uh, American government to fight for them. They are fighting. They are sacrificing their their own lives what they want, not to interfere and in just betraying them, not um, stop supporting the regime. Yeah. If you if you don't support people, the freedom fighters, at least stop supporting the, these criminals and let well, people to cut the head of this snake.
0: Very, very well said. I want to, uh, you mentioned your article that first came out in townhall.com. Um, again, if I remember, I will put the, link in the show notes if not and anyone wants a copy of that to please be in touch. Um, but yes, you just now alluded Marzi to the protests and how then when you were in prison and and now again this year uh, this past year it, and Iranians feel like they're being let down like they're they're fighting and there's not anyone in the world who's backing them, which means ultimately not anyone in the world who cares. Uh, what's happened, my sense, i like your comments on it, and then maybe talk about what's been happening now because you've shared some things with me. Um, my sense was that for a few months after Masa Amini was murdered, protests got, got increasingly big, spread around the country, it wasn't only women, but included men and women, and became much more visible, much more bold for a period of months. And then it seems to me, and maybe I'm mistaken, that they kind of died down, that, that somehow they stopped or, 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 or decreased. And recently you've shared with me some videos of protests starting again. What ha- what's happened in the, next, in the past year with the protests? And what, where, what are you seeing now, this week, as we're marking the first anniversary of her murder? Where do you think things might go?
1: You know, Jonathan, that was the first uprising that went all around the world. Iranians. It was the first time that Iranians all around the world got united, and big, um, you know, uh, rallies and protests happened in different countries, and um, thousands of people started, you know, the uh, this movement and this movement goes all around the world and everyone heard the uh, the news on uh, the movement um uh, women life freedom movement it's uh, uh it was a big movement that started after the murder of Masa Amini and people were very hopeful at the beginning um because of this unity it was the first time that um all iranians all around the world got united and even Western people stood with them, ordinary people, many ordinary people, Israeli people, uh, in different countries, they stood with the people and supported them. But unfortunately, um, the leaders of the country and some politicians, we see that um, through their action, uh, even though publicly they said that uh, we stand with uh, people, Iranian people. But we see that behind the scene, they betrayed uh, people. And of course, you know, when people keep fighting and sacrificing their lives, when they see such a thing that um, the world, instead of standing with them to helping them to cut the head of this snake, to get rid of this monster in Iran, when they see that they again, they get betrayed, it take away their hope. But that doesn't mean that um, this revolution that is started is gone. It's 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 obvious that imagine that many people lost their um their loved ones. They killed their children, they arrested thousands of people, they executed many people, women lost their eyes, many women lost their eyes. They got raped. Of course, it's. I think revolution has different phases. It's not like all the time you're in the street and keep fighting and fighting. And people are fighting against a monster and they they are in the streets with bare hands. They don't have guns. They don't have anything to protect themselves. But the regime has all the guns that come out and brutally kill people. And it's obvious that they can't, Uh, be non-stop in the streets, but that doesn't mean that this revolution has ended. I believe this is the phase that people, you know, um, they they lost a lot, they sacrificed a lot, and now it's the time that uh, maybe we don't see um, um, very much people for a couple of months in the streets, because people got exhausted, keep fighting against this regime, but uh, people have so much anger. And especially after the murder of Mahsa Amini, I hear from many people when I watch some of the films that everything in the country has changed. People has changed. They saw the, the level of brutality of this regime. And I can say majority of iranians uh, do not want this regime anymore and there is division even inside the regime inside government and they try to um, any means to survive and it's um, it's the time that you know people need to be supported need to we need to stand with people to support them to get their freedom back um, but that doesn't mean that um, the revolution has ended, and okay. I believe uh, in the anniversary of Massa murder of Massa Amini, uh, another protest will be uh, start. I don't know in which level, but I, I, I'm I believe this is going to start again, okay. and it will show itself because people have so much anger against this regime.
0: So, in the last few minutes, as we begin to wrap up. Um, what needs to happen, what you, you you allude to, and it's a very optimistic and a very, I think, smart, the revolution. A revolution doesn't happen in a day, typically, or, or in a month or in a few months, and it can take time. But Iranians now have the re- good reason to feel that the West specifically is not supporting and and in fact, empowering, if not enabling, uh, the, the, the Iranian regime to continue. What what can an average person like me in the West or someone listening to this do other than pray? Pray, of course. But what? what where is there an action? What needs to be done to for people who care, who care about um, combating this evil brand of Islam and the, and tens of millions of people who are being brutalized under the regime, plus the regime funding terror all over the world. I mean, it's not just a domestic issue, it's a, I think you've written about this, it's a global issue. What is an average person to do?
1: Sorry, Jonathan, I disagree with you. Unfortunately, okay. some uh, Western um, politicians and uh, Western leaders like um, uh, the Biden administration, By their decision, they are empowering the regime. Okay. It's not like that, um, Western leaders, um, after the murder of Massa, I mean, he decided not to support the regime. But we, what we see is very disappointing that still they are trying to appease these criminals. They are trying to empower this regime instead of standing with people. So I believe we, The people have a big power when we stand together and little things are matter. And the reason I'm saying that I was in prison, for example, and we thought we totally forgotten by the word outside, but we started receiving tons of letters that, um, Uh, we didn't know, and the guards told us that we were receiving like 50 to 60 letters from ordinary people every day, and they were mad at that, and they told us that your letters are more than our official letters, and because of such support from ordinary people, they started changing their behavior with us, and I think one of the reasons that they didn't torture us physically because they could see that the world are watching them. I think there are many ways that ordinary people especially the churches um and the church in iran is suffering there are many christians there who are suffering who are getting persecuted and people are are so thirsty for their freedom and we as ordinary people can stand with people and support them in any ways and we should know that even little things are matter and the reason i'm saying for example um, one person maybe, you know, wrote one verses of Bible on a piece of paper and sending to Evan prison for us. And those little things came together and created a big thing for us. That's why I'm telling and I'm encouraging all people around the world, uh whatever, it doesn't matter. They can figure it out um, how it, it, it either is by praying either by writing to their um, politicians and asking them to stand with Iranian people, either by supporting them uh, in different ways. I believe we are creative people. And I see, you know, after you see that after the, um, this revolution started, many artists are all around the world. started uh, supporting Iranian people by their arts, I see lots of films from Israeli people who are keep sending those videos and films encouraging people and telling people that we love you and we stand with you. So these kind of things are very important that ordinary people, even if politicians always seek their own power and benefits and they don't care about sometimes humanity, but we ordinary people we have power by doing little little things and we should not think that, okay, maybe if I write that one sentence on my social media or sharing one of the news on my social, it doesn't make a big change. But we should know that all those little things comes together and create a big wave, create a big change. And that's the way that um, no matter where we live, I think uh, we can do, I, I myself, I'm in America, I I try to think any ways that I can be a voice for Iranian people, yes. by sharing, by keep sharing my story, at least yes. to bring awareness, hey, uh, this is happening in Iranian prisons, this is happening to Iranian women, and there are many people who do not have any voice, and um, just like keep sharing my story, by yeah. to keep doing interviews and um, writing our articles. and um, But everyone, I think we are creative people. Uh, there are many ways that we can support.
0: Very, very helpful. And I was going to be sure to mention your website before we conclude now, journey.com, And also your books, uh, Captive in Iran, the first one, and the most recent, a Love Journey with God, both available at your website. And, and I'm saying that in the context of people need to be educated. And, and you just said something very, very simple. Um, not everybody has access to all of the materials, to your insight and knowledge. So finding your articles, sharing those articles, being educated, buying your books, and reading the books, I think all of that is a very, very important start. And following the news and caring. Um, and of course, prayers. Um, my prayer, yes.
1: And um, as you mentioned, the reason I wrote my second book is not just about my life story, Jonathan. I wanted to educate people and to share with them how it is like for a woman living under the harsh rules of Islam and to show them how it is like living under this authoritarian and terrorist regime. And... It helps people. It, it's an eye-opening to many people yeah. in Western countries who don't, who don't have any idea yeah. what will happen to people. By that's, That was one of the reasons I shared my story. It's on eye-opening
0: Hope, and Hope's it's course. essential. And as an Orthodox Jew, you taught me a lot and inspired me a great deal. And, and, and I don't say this for any other reason than I really do believe you have a very, very important voice. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and people should read. Read the book. I I'd read your second one first. Uh, a love journey with Thank God. You. It's more. I think it's more personal. Um, although your prison experience, um, which is more of the first book, is is also not insignificant. Um, Marzi and Mirzade, it, You know, we don't get to do this. We we haven't seen each other um, except briefly uh, since May, um, and occasionally we get to speak like this. Um, it's a really a pleasure. To have you back on Inspiration from Zion. And I join you, and I join millions of Iranians and, and people of good conscience around the world, first of all, praying for the memory of Masa Amini. Um, that many more people won't be murdered this week, with this week, and as as may be inevitable, and that soon enough we see uh we, we see a free Iran. Um That you can go back to and and can be built up without the cruelty and the evil of the islamic regime that's so brutalized the people in the country for the last almost 45 years now um thank you so much for making time again for spending time together with me and for sharing all of your views on all of this on israel and uh this very important um anniversary is not the right word but but we'll go with it. Um, and, and even though for people who never heard of Maza Amini, to remember her this week as well.
1: Thank you so much, Jonathan. It was such an honor to share my story again on your podcast. God bless Always you. Always a
0: pleasure. Uh, let me just wrap up. Um, we've been saying for oof, the better part of three years now that when you finish re- uh, listening to an episode like this, inspiration is... The gift of itself, but truthfully, we we've been offering a gift at the end of every episode, um, and this year, now that this month, we have come out with a brand new book called "In uh, Israel: The Miracle." We want you to get your own copy of Israel: The Miracle. Of course, you can go to IsraelTheMiracle.com to do so, or go to the Inspiration from Zion social media and like and follow us. And when you comment or share the link to this program. We will select one person at random every month to receive a copy of Israel the Miracle for free. And since I'm the compiler of it, maybe I will even autograph it for you. We're always grateful that this podcast is sponsored by our friends at the Willow Run Greenhouse in Culpeper, Virginia. And if you're ever in the area, I urge you to pop in and thank them for helping make uh, conversations like this possible. And thanks for our friends, uh, to our friends, the Coyne family, as well for their meaningful sponsorship inspiration from Zion and all the inspiration uh, Genesis one, two, three foundation programs are made by uh, possible by donation. So please consider joining us to help continue the dialogue and to build bridges. And this episode, uh, I, I have the privilege, um, sad privilege of uh, sponsoring in the memory of um, our good friend and Stacy's son who died tragically recently. Um, And we wish you and John, and all of your family continued strength and comfort um, a, a, as you remember the good and, and, and your son's life as a blessing. Um, if you'd like to sponsor a future episode in honor or memory of a loved one or special occasion, uh, please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com. And we'd always love to hear your comments as part of a dialogue and invite you to send any questions and comments as well, especially questions you have about traditional Judaism for our Ask the Rabbi programs. Please share this conversation with others who will also find it of interest and continue to join us right here as we bring you more meaningful conversations about unique topics relating to Israel that you won't hear anywhere else. Wherever you are in the world, I pray that you and your loved ones are all safe and healthy and send my blessings from right here in the Judean mountains. God bless you.